Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're on week three of our series called Games, Families, Play. And speaking of the family, just want to give a special shout out to all of the dads watching today, all the dads a part of our service. Uh, Thank you for the role that you play uh, in Ridgeview Church, the role that you play uh, in our community and in your family. Uh, You really do uh, make a difference. And so I thank God for you. Our church thanks God for you. I hope uh, that today is a blessed day. Uh, In this series, we've been talking about family life, the importance of uh, really working together, uh, how we kind of overcome maybe some of our own uh, issues within ourselves. Uh, All of us, we want to make a significant impact. We want to bless our family. Uh, We don't usually wake up in the day thinking, how can I come against the family or how can I cause conflict? But oftentimes, we find ourselves in the middle of it. We find ourselves in the middle of problems and stress, situations where we we respond the wrong way. And so no matter where you are in the role that you play, whether you're relating right now, you're single and you're relating to, to roommates or you're married or you're relating to your kids, extended family, uh, you're trying to figure out boundaries, all of those things. We hope that this series uh, is a help uh, to you. And if you've missed any of the weeks, you can follow along a few ways. We have YouTube. If you search for Ridgeview Church, you can subscribe and get all of the messages uh, updated every week or podcast with us. Uh, the same thing, you can search for that. And then also on our website. So I encourage you, check those out if you've missed any of uh, the weeks of this series so far. Uh, Today we're talking about the roles that we play. Uh, That is kind of the role that we have in the family life that may not be related to whether we're the son or daughter or mom or dad or grandparent, but a little bit about the strategy, like how we act. Uh, In family life, we often play a role uh, based on what we want, our goals, and we often play a role based on how people uh, perceive us. And it's easy for all of us to get in these roles and not ask the question if this is the right role for us to play. In this series, we've been talking about dynamics, family dynamics, and sometimes dysfunction. And it's easy for all of us to just kind of let family life get on autopilot. That is, we just keep doing the same thing every day, every month. And those months stack into years. And before we know it, we've just let kind of family life happen. Well, God actually wants family life to be intentional, to have purpose to it, to actually do things in a certain way. And so today, just like we have in the previous weeks, we're going to dig into the scripture and find out what is the role that we can all play. Now, all of us want to make a significant impact. Like I've mentioned, we want to have purpose, but it's easy for us to be sidelined or really taken off course by our own selfish motives. I want to read a passage from Ecclesiastes 9. Ecclesiastes uh, is part of the wisdom literature of the Bible. It gives us a sense of how life works. Now, Ecclesiastes, if you've never read it, it's a very interesting book. It talks a lot about how life works, and it's from King Solomon, who had all the resources in the world, but still felt lacking. He still felt like things were just not what he hoped they would be. So for the man that had everything but yet still lacked. It's a very helpful book. And here's what he says in Ecclesiastes 9. It says, This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. 
Now that's a very sobering verse. Solomon's looking around and saying, you know what, this life is filled with chaos. It's filled with, with evil. And then he describes humanity and he describes it as they're, they're full of evil and madness is in their hearts. He's not just describing his people at that time. He's actually describing us, all of us, the human condition. Now, that's what the Bible calls sin. The reason family life is such a struggle and the reason we can just get off track is because there's things in all of us related to sin that cause us to relate in ways that are not helpful. Uh, the word madness there comes from the word halela, which is like that word hallelujah, which we sing and we sing praises to God. But this is speaking actually about self-praise. That is the idea like we have this arrogance in all of us where we, we really want our kind of goals and our interests to be first. And we've been talking about the importance of, you know, putting the goals and interests of others above your own. That's hard attitude number one. We commit to that here at Ridgeview. But there's a drive in all of us, young or old, single or married, kids or no kids, empty nesters, grandparents, wherever you find yourself, there's a sense of all of us where we have that arrogance that rises up. There's something in us that wants what it wants. It reminds me of the game Clue. I don't know if you ever played it. Here's an image of the game. This is a classic game, if you've never played it, where you have different characters. You kind of try to guess who committed the crime, and you have different roles that each character plays. Now, in family life, this can be the same way. Again, we have a role that we play, and it can be based on what we want, how we want to get it, and we can just play these roles that just defeat each other. And in fact, when we get into these roles where we're just promoting ourselves, we're actually defeating ourselves as well. Have you ever realized that? Sometimes the more you push for what you want in your way, and when you get it, it's not that enjoyable. Because you look around and you see, man, there's just like this war path. There's conflict, there's frustration, people are upset. And you just get to the point where this is not enjoyable. That's kind of like this game, Clue. In the end, there's only one winner. Well, in family life, if there's only one winner, that, that really means nobody wins. So today I want to outline the scripture of how we can relate to each other. I'm going to spend time in Romans chapter 12. This past year, as we were dealing with so many elements related to the unrest in our country, people just feeling so much pressure uh, related to the pandemic, as a church trying to figure out how we continue to relate and do community, God kept bringing me back to Romans chapter 12. In fact, the first two verses of Romans 12 are my favorite verses. If you've never read that, I encourage you to do that. But Romans 12 is very instructive with just verse after verse of how we are to treat one another. And so I want to start today by unpacking this passage. And then later in the, the message, you're going to hear from Dr. Nathan Lewis again, who shared last week. He's going to be interviewed by my mentor, Randy Lanthrop. And he's going to talk about the dysfunction of the roles that we play. But I wanna start by kind of painting the right picture, then we'll look at the problems, and then we can see, well, how do we kind of get to where we are with the issues that we have to where God wants us to be? So let's dig into what the Bible says. First off, God wants you to play your role well. We each have a role in family life, and God wants you to, to play it well. He wants you to turn to Him to ask for help. You don't play it well by yourself, by your own resources or understanding. We have a God who draws near to us, 
who sent his son Jesus out of love and sacrifice to die for our sins so that we can relate to him, get help, rely on the resources that God gives. As we do that, we can play our role well. We can actually bring blessing to our family and how we relate and how we model to those who are watching and how we go about our goals and everything in between. So the scripture I'm gonna share in Romans 12 is actually speaking of the church. But what's helpful of the church is that's actually a spiritual family. And so the guidelines for the spiritual family are really principles that can be applied to our blood family as well. Now, we didn't choose the family that we were born into, and we can have different relationships that are close or maybe strained, but these principles can apply whether it's the church family or our family we were born into. Now, if you're a parent, uh, your goal should be to help your kids become fully functioning adults. That is to help them learn. How do I contribute? How can I learn my strengths and weaknesses and rely on God in the moment to also play my role well? And so let's dig into the scripture. Keep in mind, this applies to our church family and it applies to our personal family as well. Romans 12, let's start with verse three. I'm gonna read this whole passage together. It says, by the, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. Notice that idea of roles there. Verse five. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, that's like encouragement, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to do what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Now, here in this passage, you see the beginning of this idea of we are wired differently. I'm not the same as you. You're not the same as me. We're not the same as the people in our family. We're not the same as the people in our church family. And we live in a time now where we all look at our differences and we think we don't have anything in common. The fact of the matter is, it's in our differences that we are used and put in a position to bless other people. That includes how you can bless your spouse. That includes kids, how you can bless your parents. You're not your parents. You have a unique contribution that you can make to the family based on how God made you. It's in our uniqueness that we have this collective strength as we come together in family life and in the church life. Again, our spiritual family. And it speaks to these roles and these gifts. And so I wanna kind of unpack each of these verses to give this holistic picture of the roles that we can play well. So here it is, the ideal characteristics of a fully functioning church family. First, let's start. Each member refuses to think of themselves more highly than they should. If you actually want to play the most valid role you can play in your family life, put others first. Don't promote yourself. Don't just think primarily about what you want and how you want to get it. This is what the scripture says. It says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. To think with sober judgment. 
One of the things I do in my life is I read scriptures like this. I ask the question, why would God say that? Why would that be in the scriptures? Well, there's something in all of us where we actually want to think highly than we think. We want to promote ourselves. That's just a drive in us again. It's that selfish arrogance we all have. You have it. I have it. It's easy to beat ourselves up, but what's better to do is to realize we need to keep that in check. And the way that we keep it in check in family life and in church life is to be sober in our judgment. One of the ways I've heard this is is humility. It's like knowing your place and uh, taking it. The idea of sober judgment is, is having the right assessment. Like when I come into a situation and I'm around a group of people, um, how, how can I listen uh, before I speak? How can I see where people are and read the room? That's very helpful. It's easy to come into a situation and kind of just think about ourselves and just start talking and fail to see there's things going on in family life. There's things going on. Look at facial expressions. Look at what people are dealing with. God may use you as you're aware of that, as you're not just thinking too highly of yourself, where you can actually be a blessing. Uh, At Church Life, I've experienced this so many times with people that God has just put into our church that have a unique role, and they're a blessing to our congregation. It's the same in, in family life. It's the idea of like, I don't have to solve everything, and I can't solve everything. I'm the leader of my home. I'm the leader of church. But there's so many people that they need to do what God's called them to do, and they can contribute, and they can do it in ways way better than I can. That's actually having a sober judgment. I don't need to be in control of every single aspect of church, of family. Once you do that, you can make real progress. Verse four, everyone knows they have a unique contribution to make. That is really helpful. All of us, again, we wanna have a significant impact And the Bible says you can because God's made you uniquely. Check what it says is the members do not all have the same function. That means there's no clones in God's family. There's no clones in your own family. You are unique and you need to play your role well. Part of what that means is as a father, you need to lead courageously. You need to sacrifice for your family. God's called you to go first. As a mom, you can love and care in a way that dads can't. You're tuned to relationships in ways that, as for me and my family, I don't quite understand all that's going on relationally, but my wife does. God's wired her that way. Each of my kids, they're different. They play a different role in the family. But when they each play it well, we are all blessed. And it's the same uh, in church life. We need to live with the perspective that we are all members one of another. So there's a sense of which, okay, this is not just about me. I make decisions. I choose an attitude. I participate or I withdraw. I contribute or I don't. And that will impact everyone. That's actually a very helpful perspective. We live in a time when media and culture tells you to do whatever you want to do, whatever you feel like, whatever you define, you follow. That actually is not true. We do not live in a vacuum your decisions, your approach, your perspective. Just like my decisions, my approach, my perspective, they impact people. That's the world we live in, we see that. If we all choose to just seek ourselves, you can see of how that impacts. There's actually no unity. And that's what we're seeing right now in culture. Everyone has an idea of what they should do, and they do it. And they have no idea to take a step back and see, how is this impacting 
all those around me. But that's actually what the Bible is encouraging us to do. That's why it says in verse five, we are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Individually, but we're a part of the whole. That's actually very good. For your kids to understand, they're not the center of the universe. Do you know how healthy that is? In fact, parents, I encourage you, your goal is to drive that out of them, that selfish, stubborn determination where they think they're the best thing on the universe. Are they unique? Yes. Do they have a lot to offer? Yes. Do we love our kids? Yes. But are they at the center of the universe? No, they can't be. If they do, they're going to suck the life out of every relationship and situation, and it will be rotten for them. So if we love our kids, we need to discipline them. We need to set boundaries. We need to let them know that actually it's not all about you. And parents, the best way for you to model that is to not make it all about you either, for you to sacrifice and to model that to your kids. The second, we should use our gifts and strengths for the good of the whole family. Do you see again, like individually, I'm a part of something bigger. And in this, the scripture goes on, I actually have something to bring, not for myself to hoard and hold on to, my own blessing, my own perspective. I have something to bring. I can bring a blessing to other people. That is so healthy in family life. Again, it's just the idea of like, it's not about me. If you can nail that down in your life, you actually can have some healthy relationships. That's what it says in verse six through eight. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. We live in a time where it's very easy to check out. In fact, part of the pandemic, what it did is it kind of gave license to so many people to withdraw, to isolate, in the name of social distancing, in the name of a lockdown, but in the end, it was just to do what I want to do. That drive is in all of us. I can kind of just withdraw from people. I can get away from accountability. I can do what I want to do, and nobody's gonna ask because of this season we live in. Well, the scripture actually speaks to that. There's a sense of which, let us use them. Let us draw near, let's get past that sense. Now doesn't mean that it was wrong to isolate. Obviously, all of us did. And it's not wrong to be careful. We, we need to be careful. But there's a time of which, in the name of safety, we've really just been self-serving. So we actually need to risk in order to love others. We need to risk our time and resources. We need to be tired for others as we contribute. That's actually another hard attitude. We've talked about a few of them so far, the, the way that we relate to each other here at Ridgeview. And hard attitude number five is to participate in the ministry of the church. We will use them. We have to participate. We have to contribute. We have to connect. That's how you grow. That's how you bless others opposed to checking out. Let's dig in some more. The scripture goes on. The foundation of a fully functioning family is love, devotion, and honor. I don't know if you've discovered this as you've been listening to this series the last few weeks, but have you noticed love keeps coming up? That makes sense. All of us point to something about love, but we've been talking specifically about this sacrificial agape, what the Bible talks about, sacrificial love that Jesus brought into this world. When he came, he came with this agape, sacrificial love. That is the ingredient to making family life really tasty, like a sense of like, this is enjoyable. It also sets the right temperature where we can relate and really enjoy the relationships with each other. And the scripture says this, let love be genuine. Love one another with brotherly affection. 
And then check this out. Outdo one another in showing honor. As kids rise up and do their chores and do what they're supposed to do, they can bless the family. And so, so far we've looked at every kind of aspect of this scripture as it relates. We've talked about a lot of characteristics. I hope this is a help to you. This should give this picture maybe of some things already that you could see, oh, you know, I need to shift there. I need to maybe have a different attitude. I maybe need to take a different action. So why don't you just briefly, just quickly pause. Just think about what we've talked about so far based on Romans 12 and ask yourself, what, what, what is God speaking to me? Like, what's your sense of what you need to do? We've talked a lot about thinking of yourself in the right way, soberly, contributing. We belong to each other. We're not individually by ourselves. So just take a moment. What's God speaking to you? As you think about that, I want to turn the corner. And like I mentioned at the beginning, I want to hear, we're going to hear from Nathan Lewis again, professor of psychology, marriage, and family therapy, California Baptist University, one of my mentors. He's being interviewed by Pastor Randy Lanthrop at Church in the Valley. And they did this series about a month ago. And Nathan is going to share some of the dysfunctional roles that we can play. So think about all that we've talked about so far and what the Bible says. And then see if you can identify with some of these dysfunctions. And then that should help you kind of bridge to what you need to do. So let's watch this together. All right, Nathan, I really appreciate your help in this series. Uh, it's been, been very insightful. Uh, first question, can you explain the different roles that family members take on when there is dysfunction? Yeah, those, these are roles um, that are either assigned or, or they take them on mm-hmm. to, and their purpose is to maintain the unhealthy uh, norm or the homeostasis, we've talked about that for a couple of weeks, in the dysfunctional family dance. And it, it actually becomes the individual member's identity in the family, and it gives them a false sense of, of significance. Mm-hmm. And they either play these roles uh, gladly and willingly or begrudgingly, depending on what they are. But there's a lot of different roles, but there's some common roles. One of them is the, the family hero. Huh. This is the responsible one, the rule follower, the good kid, if you will. And um, they often assume responsibility for things they're not responsible for. Uh, that's, that's what they do outwardly. Inwardly, they may feel guilty. They may even be hurt and have a sense of inadequacy. And the, another family role is kind of is almost the opposite of the family hero. And that's the scapegoat. This is the... This is the kid that acts out. Uh, might even be a parent that acts out. Uh, they're they're the rule breaker. <laughs> the yeah. family heroes, the rule follower. They're the rule breaker. Sometimes hostile, defiant, um, and they also a lot of times they might be the ones who actually recognize the dysfunction in the family, uh, yeah. and that's what they're reacting that against. Um, but they they end up becoming the focus of the family's dysfunction and mm. and rage. Uh, because they're the ones that will break the homeostasis. <laughs> yeah. And quite often they feel angry, jealous, hurt, rejected. Uh, then another one is the lost child. This one I identify with. This is the one, this is the the one who's quiet, they're can be lost in fantasy, they're they're the loner. Um <clears throat> 
uh, and if they're introverted like me, even more so, um, they tend to attach themselves to places and things in the house rather than people. Mm -hmm. And they, they're kind of aloof. Um, but they can also feel rejected, uh, hurt, have a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, and then another one is the kind of the opposite of the, lo the lost child, and that's the mascot. This is the fun one, the clown. <laughs> the, they tend to be immature, very fragile, cute, hyper hyperactive, distracting, <laughs> and they can feel uh, fear, anxiety, insecurity. And then there is the, the placator. This is the people-pleasing caretaker. They oh, wow. try to ease and prevent any trouble that's in the family. Uh, are, they're compassionate, but to a fault. Um, they may end up denying their own needs, and they tend to feel anxious and hyper-vigilant about everything mm -hmm. that is insensitive about everything that's going on in the family. They're the peacemakers, and they'll gotcha. you know, peace at all. At all cost. Huh. Well, you might want to pick your go-to if you have one. I, I picked mine. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's very helpful, Nathan. I really appreciate that. What kind of damage is done when a person takes on one of these roles to the family and then to the person themselves? Well, in, in the family, it... The, all of these roles are part of the family dance and uh, the dysfunctional pattern. So it maintains the the ungodly norm. Mm. Uh, it keeps keeps them fulfilling the roles that God has assigned. Uh, they may not be aware of that or care about it. It keeps yeah. them from really honestly examining the ungodly relating that is going on. And it often becomes a justification for mistreating each other mm -hmm. as they as they begin to um, exaggerate those roles in the family to feel more significant, it creates a whole lot more conflict that is just not resolved over time. Mm -hmm. So it just basically what it does is it 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 makes the the ungodly patterns worse, mm -hmm. and with the individual family members, their identity becomes tied to that role. So they will likely carry it into the next family that they are part of or yeah. to any other relational context like work. Yeah. And they'll kind of take on that role. Or there's also the possibility that they're going to reject that role completely mm -hmm. because they don't want to be like their family, but they yeah. do it to the other extreme. Mm -hmm. So if they're the placator, they become the family hero. Uh -huh. But it's it, so they're reacting against that yeah okay that that makes perfect sense I, and god god really wants to help us grow away from these things so how how does a family grow away from these roles and become more fully functional well the first thing you have to do is recognize what's going on and that often occurs when there's a when there's a crisis so crisis is is a major conflict where they they can't um resolve it themselves and so they they ask for help which is a good thing or help is forced on them and that's an opportunity for them to be honest the mm. problem is there's a short window there yeah because once the crisis is gone they're they're go 
they'll go back to the way they were. But they need to be honest with themselves about what's really going on. And then each member um, needs to identify their role in that family dance and take responsibility for mm -hmm. that. And then have an understanding of what the, the, the roles that God has assigned. Mm -hmm. Understand what that is and, and the kind of relating that God wants them to do in the family. And then they just, they're going to need help. It's really, really difficult for families to change on their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. which is really, you know, what what church is all about. And mm -hmm. community is helping each other do that. But yeah. it's, it. so I'm not talking about necessarily professional help, but they just need to begin to open themselves up mm -hmm. to seeing um, godly relating in other families and uh, just, you know, anybody that can help them begin to make the changes they need to make. Well, th this is very helpful, very insightful, and I really appreciate you mm -hmm. taking the time to share your wisdom with us. Uh, glad to do it. All right. Thanks. I don't know about you, but it felt like I was just in this kind of class, peering into just information that is so helpful. Uh, this connects a lot of dots for me in all my experience with various situations related to ministry, but also my own family. I've played some of those roles. And as that was shared, as Nathan brought those up, I felt a little bit of like cringe within me. Like, oh, I've done that. I do that. I struggle with that. Again, if that's you, God uses that not to hit you upside the head with a sledgehammer to you know, make you just wallow. But here's where you are. Here's what the Bible says. And then how do we move forward? And so with that, I just want to encourage you. What, what's your next step? I've already asked you to pause and maybe think based on Romans 12, where there's some things related to love, belonging to each other, contributing, having a sober judgment. What's God telling you? That's the most powerful thing that you can really ask. It's this sense of like, what is God laying on my heart for what I need to do? Not what my kids need to do, what my husband or wife need to do, my extended family, my coworkers, my roommate, but what do I need to do? As you change and you ask God to show you that, you can make a difference. So just keep that in mind. Keep wrestling with that this next week. As I close out, I want to encourage you to take some next steps today. And here they are. You can mark these on your connection card. Just do that step. The reason we ask you to fill out the connection card is there's something about taking an action, even by saying you're going to do it, which actually leads to you doing it. Like if it's just in your head, you forget. But there's something about seeing it and taking an action where you're committing to it. So I encourage you, first, pick a characteristic from Romans 12 to apply this week in a key relationship. Again, we packed quite a few verses and looked at what those mean. So just pick one of those characteristics. For me, I've been thinking about just this wrestling, like outdo each other and showing honor. That means like I need to be rushing to think, like how can I honor those people in my family and within church? So that's like one of the takeaways for me. So what's yours? Identify that. The next, identify uh, the dysfunctional characteristics you deal with and ask God for help and seek help from, and you, you may just need to talk to somebody. Again, there's a lot of dysfunction. The problem with dysfunction is sometimes you don't even know what it is. And so just ask God to show you and then make a next step to talk to somebody about it. Here at Ridgeview, we're a family. 
Now, our experience with families oftentimes can be there's problems, we don't talk about it. But we're not a dysfunctional church family. When there's problems or issues, we want to help. We want to talk about things. We want to give you guidance. And so let us know how we can do that in the comments, in the prayer requests. Let us know. And then finally, encourage someone uh, in their gifts and in their strengths by commending them. That's that outdo and showing honor. How can you encourage your kids this week? Just think every day. What's one thing I could say that could encourage them? If you're married, how can I encourage your spouse? Now, it's Father's Day. It could be easy, like, just make it this one day, but how can that be extended? As you do that, you'll find that that will warm the temperature up of the family. And everyone will see, like, man, I can make a difference here. So I encourage you, take one of these next steps. Fill out that connection card. Join us next week as we wrap up this series, Games Family Play. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your your presence here. We thank you for uh, technology that we could still have a service and connect uh, with each other. God, I just pray as we consider these things about our own hearts and our own strategies, just show us things that we may need to change. We ask for your help and your grace and your strength. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.